before we jump into the Word today, I just want us to pray. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes the messages are a little lighter, and uh, this is a tough one today. And as you know, we're, we're going through the Ten Commandments, and uh, we're in commandment number six where, where God says, Thou shalt not murder. And I'm just going to kind of lay it out now that it, it's going to be a little heavier in content today um, just because I, I feel just as, as we look around our country today and as we look at our past and we look at our history, how many of you know that we don't want to repeat the evils that we've done in, the, in our history and how we maybe have treated a human soul and how we've disregarded life. And as we look into this commandment today, God is showing us how precious life is. And when what we see in our world today is, is the more we turn away from God and we take God out of the equation, to me how I see the sanctity of life dropping and the importance of life dropping. And I want you to realize that Jesus loves the world, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for it. And it's about souls. And what we have seen over the history of our world is as we've taken God out of the equation, we, we begin to decide uh, how valuable a life is. And we begin to say to ourselves, okay, this life is valuable, this life isn't valuable. I, I'm, I'm here to tell you that God loves the soul of a person. And, and, and I believe whether that, that, that person is, is not valuable in this world maybe or not seen as valuable, God sees that soul as valuable. And we as believers in Christ need to stand up for life. We need to, we need to be careful that we protect and that, and that we vocalize in, in our lives how important a life is to God, that, that God created that life. And, and whether or not the world deems it as, as unvaluable, that's not for me to decide. And so I'm going to show you some things today that are, are, are disturbing. So I'm just kind of laying it out there today. Maybe you parents that may have kids in here today, it's going to be a little more heavy in content. So, um, but I think it's something that we need to discuss as a family, that parents need to discuss with their children, that we need to just, sometimes I think sometimes we, we need to kind of be uh, uh, just shocked a little bit in our lives to be open to what's going on around us, just so we know how to pray and, and we know how to uh, deal with these issues that we're seeing around us today. And, and, and I think two of the probably biggest attacks that we see in our nation today and in the world today is, is, is the attack on the sanctity of marriage and the attack on the sanctity of life. And, and those, are, those are important to God. And as we go through the rest of these commandments, those two things are very important to God. And we need to understand why they're important to God. We need to kind of look behind the scenes a little bit today and understand why these things are important to the Lord. So sh can we pray today? I, 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 you know, once again, I apologize that this is going to be a little bit heavier in content today. Um, uh, but I, I, I want us to dig into this and take this serious today. I, I don't want to take this subject lightly about what God sees in life and the sanctity of life. So shall we pray and just ask God to open up our hearts today? I believe God wants to teach us something great today and, and hopefully we'll see something new that we haven't seen before and maybe give us a little more incentive to pray uh, for these things and give us a little more ambition and, and encourage us to, 
to really seek the Lord in, in, in these different ways. And, and, and for, for those of you here today, I, I also believe there's healing. There's healing. Amen. And some of you here today, you may go through this sermon today and you say, you know what, I didn't see it that way before I was a Christian. And I want to tell you today that there's healing in the Lord. That, 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 that God sees our past and he, and he washes us white as snow. And so I'm not here to, to heap on condemnation or um, any guilt, because that's not from God. God is a God that wants to free us from our past. God is a God who wants to release us from the guilt and the pain and bring us into that freedom that Jesus Christ offers for all those who humble themselves before him. Amen? So th that's the gospel message that Jesus has come to set us free, to, 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 to set us free from the sin that so easily bounded us from the mindset that so easily bounded us from what we used to think is right. He's come to give us the truth and to set us free through that truth. And that's the good news of Christ, that, that there's freedom in Jesus and there's healing today. So, amen? That's a pretty good sermon all in itself right there. So uh, we could probably end it there. But let's pray. Lord, um, we need your help today. It's, this is a, it's a tough message, Lord. I'm not, I'm not going to be shy about that. It's going to be tough. And Lord, I, we just need your wisdom. We need guidance from your Holy Spirit. Lord, the, the Ten Commandments are not just a list of do's and don'ts that, that we can just pacify and say, well, if I want to do them or not. These were important to you, God. This is how we relate to you. And this is how we relate to one another. And Lord, we need them more than ever in our lives today. We need a compass. We need a moral compass in our life because we've gone so astray. So help us, Lord, not, not to walk in condemnation or to heap more guilt in our life, but, but that we would walk in the freedom that you desire to give us when we walk under your blessings. And so, Lord, I just pray as we just dig into your word today into this commandment that you would um, just reveal things to our heart maybe we've never seen before, that you would give us a greater ambition to pray, that God, for those that need healing today, that that would occur and we would find our freedom in Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us. Well, even we were in our sinful state, you died for us. And that's why you came. Not to condemn, but to save. And we need saving today. And we need your healing today. We need our minds to be open today to the truth of your word because we believe it's only through your truth that we can be set free today. Your truth is perfect and it guides us in all ways. So we thank you for this time and we just give you the glory and we just need you, Jesus, in our hearts and lives, we pray. And we just thank you for this time. Uh, in Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen, amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Amen, amen. All right, well, let's, uh, let's dig into this today. Um, as you know, we've been looking at the Ten Commandments, and, and uh, as we've been studying, there's over six, 600 different specific commands and laws that God gave His children. And basically, the Ten Commandments, is, if we're just kind of reviewing here, is basically just a summary of all uh, the commandments, all 613, just kind of boiled down to 10. And what's interesting about Jesus is he even takes all 
uh, 10 and boils them down to two when he says in Matthew 23, he says, and he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest in the first commandment. And he said, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So he took, he took these uh, Ten Commandments and just basically boiled it down to two. It's how we relate to God, uh, that vertical relationship, and then our horizontal relationship on how we relate to one another. And, that's, and, and this is so important because as the Israelites were going to possess the promised land, they needed to know how to relate to God because within that promised land, there was going to be things that were going to cause them to fall into temptation. And if their relationship with God was not stable, they would easily fall into temptation. And if the relationships with one another were not stable, uh, there could easily be division within uh, their ranks and within their people. And we can see through the Word of God, through the Old Testament, the problem the Israelites had with God and turning away from Him, and then the issues that they, they had with one another. And, and God said, listen, these things are so vital because this is how you're going to relate to me. It's not a bunch of rules and regulations that I just want to pour upon you. This is relational. This is, this is important. This is how I want you to, to relate to me, and this is how I want you to uh, relate to one another. And if these two things are in order, your lives will be blessed. So God's desire is for a blessing. God's desire is to, to bless our lives, that, that we can live in community with God and uh, with one another. And, and we've done pretty much a bad job in many ways in doing this and how we relate to God and how we relate uh, to one another. And that's why I believe the, the commandments are so uh, relevant for today. And so if, if you've missed any of the past messages, let me really encourage you to get the one from uh, last week about honor, honoring your parents. I, I believe that was an important message. You can get the CDs at the information table or you can go online and all the uh, past sermons. Pastor Mike did a couple great ones on our relationship with God and how to honor Him. And uh, you can get those online and, and listen to them through iTunes or right off uh, our website. So go ahead and take advantage of that. So let's look at the Sixth Commandment. The Sixth Commandment says in Exodus twenty thirteen, God says to them as He, he, he gives these to... Moses on Mount Sinai, he says, you shall not murder. And so what, what does this mean? Because for most of us here, uh, uh, we probably wouldn't relate to this commandment. And if we did, we probably wouldn't be here today. We'd be somewhere else, right? We'd be in prison. So we're like, okay, wh what, does this, what does this mean? Well, uh, if it doesn't relate to me, why did I, I come to church today? Well, we, we need to see what's going on behind this commandment. And, and, and what does murder mean? Well, in the, in the context, it, it means premeditative killing or it boils down to hate and anger to the, to the point uh, of murder. But for most of us, we would say, you know, I, I draw the line at murder. I thought about it a couple times. Even this morning while I was driving to church with my spouse, it did come across my mind a little bit. We had a little argument this morning. My kids kind of drive me crazy once in a while. I thought about it, but we draw the line, if I'm being facetious here. Uh, most of us draw the line there. But, but listen, we're, we're, today we're, we're not talking about war or the death penalty or suicide or self-defense. I, I know we all have really different opinions maybe on these, and we may have some strong opinions about these certain topics, but really what constitutes murder? What's really going on behind this, uh, behind this topic? Um, what's going on here, there's a principle behind the sixth commandment, and that's really what I, I want to unpack 
today. And what God is establishing with his children here as they're all gathered around Mount Sinai in the desert is that he's, he's sharing with them, not only is he just saying, okay, thou shall not murder, period, cut and dry. What God is doing is establishing something deeper with them. And basically what God is establishing with them is the sanctity of life. That God is establishing that life is sacred. Whether it's this little baby within the womb of, of the mommy or an elderly adult, life is a life no matter what society says or how it defines it. God is saying, life isn't important to me. This is vital. This, is, this isn't even important. This is sacred. And when something is sacred, God is saying, I've set this aside. God sees marriage as sacred. It's something that I've set aside. It's something that, that I've initiated. It's something that I don't want you to take lightly. It's something that I take very seriously. This is, this is probably in my heart where I see us going the wrong way as a society. We, 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 we take the sacred things of God and, and we, we, we make them mundane. We, we, we take the sacred things that God holds up as very holy and honorable and, and, and we, we make them very elementary and we, and, and we don't take them very seriously anymore. And we begin to define what we feel is important which guides our moral compass. And we begin to look at moral relativism by saying, whatever moral for you may not be moral for me. Don't, don't place your values and your morals upon my life. But God says, hold on a minute. These are things that I established. These are things that I hold as sacred, that I've set aside, that I want you to see if you hold these things sacred and honorable they will go a long way in your life. So let, let me make this crystal clear. Every human life matters to God. Period. So what we're seeing here, it, it really boils down to the heart. What, what's going on here? Uh, am I guarding my heart against hate and anger? A, a heart that's left unchecked is capable of any kind of evil. And I don't care who you are. And, and uh, what I want to show you here is, 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 a, is, a, is a clip from a documentary. Uh, the documentary was called Expelled. It's, it's not, it, it wasn't a Christian documentary, so if you think there's a huge Christian slant here, it's not. It just basically is a factual documentary that just talks about the effects of Darwinistic theology, I'll call it, because people see it as, as, as practically a religion, a belief system, where Darwinistic ideology, the way it really, we think that it's just a theory that sets up how the, you know, species, you know, whatever, evolved or whatever, and, and it's a theory that's really taught very heavily in our school systems and, he and heavily taught in our universities. And basically what the what the documentary does, and I would just recommend every one of you to see this if you've not seen it already. It came out many years ago, but it's just excellent the way it, it just shows the other side of Darwinistic teachings. And basically what Ben Stein does, he's a comedian, but he's very witty at the way he goes about this documentary. And he just goes about to show the other side that maybe there's an intelligent design behind everything. And maybe there is a creator. And that many scientists don't hold to the 
of evolution or, or Darwinistic uh, ideology anymore, and many are abandoning ship. And because of that, many are losing their jobs and their tenures at universities because they're not holding firm to this type of teaching. But what Ben Stein does is he goes back through history and shows how the uh, Darwinistic ideology had moved through Nazi Germany. Uh, many, many of us just see this as, okay, horrible, horrible atrocities against people, specifically against the Jewish people through the Holocaust. But where, what Ben does is he goes behind of why that ideology took such firm grasp in that society because you would just think only a crazy person would buy into this. There were doctors that were buying into this philosophy. And what I'm going to show you is just a, 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 just a quick clip on what happened in Nazi Germany, how doctors were actually doing experiments and, and, and genocide was happening, not just to the Jewish people who you know, maybe just a healthy person, just because they were Jewish, they were singled out, but also to people that were deemed unfit to live in society, that had genetic problems, that weren't, weren't born healthy. And they were trying to eliminate this from their society to create this, this perfect Aryan race that the root of their ideology was based in Darwinistic theories. This is scary. This is something that didn't happen that long ago. And then what begins to happen is that same ideology kind of slipped into America that we don't hear a lot about. And the reason why I want to show you this is not just to, not, not just to show it to, to, to give some wow factor, but I, I show it to show you the proclivity and the depravity of the human heart when it's not set on God. When God is not the one that's leading our heart, when God's not the one that's setting the agenda, when, when we begin to deem life as not sacred, when we begin to set up our own moral uh, compass, this is what begins to happen. And we need to learn. Listen, parent, this needs to be taught to our children, adult. We need to look at our history because we don't want to repeat it again. And so it's important that we see this type of ideology when we try to take God out of the equation, what begins to happen. So I just want to show, it's not very long, but, but go ahead and, and show, show the clip at this time. Thanks. American officers arrive at a Nazi institution seized by First Army troops. Under the guise of an insane asylum, this has been the headquarters for the systematic murder. So what is this place? During the Second World War, 15,000 people were killed here. Why were they killed? They were killed because they were people with uh, handicaps. Why kill them? What's the point of killing them? People who were not able to work, people who were not able to live by themselves, that they were useless eaters. Useless and, eaters. And life unworthy of living. This idea grew up in the 20s. So long before National Socialism, biologists, anthropologists, they thought um, that maybe uh, mankind could, or the, or the the government could interfere into the growth of the population. I see. And they had the utopia, 
utopia. Utopia, that they would have a society without illness and without handicap. Alles Lebensschwache geht in der Natur unfehlbar zugrunde. Wir Menschen haben gegen dieses Gesetz der natürlichen Auslese in den letzten Jahrzehnten furchtbar gesündigt. Wir haben unwertes Leben nicht nur erhalten, wir haben ihm auch Vermehrung gewährt. Die Nachkommen dieser Kranken sahen so aus, die tiefer stehen als jedes Tier. So this was a Darwinian concept. Yes. And also a Malthusian concept, very much Malthusian. Malthusian? Thomas Malthus, who said that there was a shortage of resources. English philosopher, so there was a yes, shortage. Yes, but, but the Nazi, they relied on Darwin. They relied on Darwin. Yes, Darwin and German scientists. Patients were led down this hallway to Nazi doctors who decided who would live and who would die. They were accompanied by 15 um, 15 nurses. Nurses, yes. Nurses, male and female nurses. So nurses were helping lead them to their doom. Yes. So were the prisoners told they were taking a shower? Yes, they were taking a shower, and here was one or two showers. So how many people were brought into this room? 60 to 70. So what is this? This is the dissection table. Do you ever think to yourself, the sane ones were the ones lying here having their brains removed? The insane one was Dr. Gorgas and all the other people no. did. No, I don't think that because I think um, those people who killed here, they were very sane they, because they had their purposes. They had purposes? Yes. I don't think they were insane. They had two crematory ovens. I see. And they killed about 70 people. A day. So a day, so they had... Um, That's barely enough time. And they, they, they only, only killed from Monday to Friday. So... Because the people who were doing the killing needed to have the weekend off. If you met Dr. Gorgas today, what would you say to him? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think that it's my, my role to, to tell him something. It's difficult to describe how it felt to walk through such a haunting place, to know that these cold stone and tile walls were the last things the victims of Hadamar ever saw. I wanted to explore this connection further, so I met with the author of From Darwin to Hitler, Dr. Richard Weikart. Hitler and many of the physicians that carried out this program were very fanatical Darwinists and particularly they wanted to apply Darwinism to society.
that many of these people in the 19-teens, 1920s, who were putting forward some of these ideas about racism were considered the leading, uh, leading scientists. Uh, these were Darwinists who were taken seriously by fellow academics. It's but not to say that all academics believed it. These leading academics, were there any of them who were Americans? There were plenty of Americans uh, who were saying similar kinds of things. Not only were Americans saying such things, they were pioneers in this fledgling science known as eugenics. They thought they could help evolution along by sterilizing the so-called feeble-minded and prohibiting them from getting married. Physicians who are aware of the history of 20th century American medicine harbor some um, uh, some bad feelings towards Darwinists because of eugenics uh, and uh, eugenics which was a, an, an attempt to breed human beings it was uh, the darkest chapter of American medicine ever there were 50,000 people involuntarily sterilized because they were deemed uh, unfit to breed basically I just wanted to show you that if, if you want to see the whole thing it's excellent I, I just couldn't recommend it more highly to just give you a whole nother view there. And, and here's the thing that I wanted us to see today by showing you that, is that the, the proclivity of our hearts, we have to be so careful and to guard our hearts. And God is saying to his people, listen, the, the, the heart is evil. And if we are not careful, um, well-educated people, as you can see in this very clip, can do things that are very evil if we're, if we're not careful. And, and what I wanted to do is I wanted to bring about something that we can see that happened in the Old Testament, um, a, 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 a horrible thing that happened right in the beginning of Genesis. And, and what began to happen generations later, how that same mentality was passed on through generational lines because of the hardness of the heart and the devaluing of uh, the human life. And it's a, it's a sad story in the book of Genesis, and it, it depicts what happens when a heart goes unchecked, when we are not uh, celebrating life or see the sanctity of life, when we're not honoring life, when we don't hold this as sacred. This is what happens. And it's a story of, of uh, a, a man in the Bible in Genesis uh, chapter 4, Lemek, who who not a whole lot is known about Lemek. Um, we know that he's the great, 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 great grandson of Cain. Now, why is this so significant? Cain was the first murderer in human history. He murdered his brother Abel because uh, God approved of his brother's offering. And out of his jealousy, he murdered his brother. But what's interesting here is how, is how Lemek celebrates this fact and in fact sees it as a badge of honor, generations removed. And it's, it's all too scary how we witness anger and can actually find its way down family lines. And this was the case for Lemek. And if you've got your Bibles, just turn to Genesis chapter 4. I want, I want you to see the heart condition of Lemek. And he's, he's so proud of the fact that he writes this song, this poem, to his two wives. And I, I want you to hear the, 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 just the heart of Lemek and how Proudy is, I think he was the first gangster rapper that there ever was, because you're going to see just, just how violent his heart is and how proud he is of what he's done and, and his the, this accomplishments. And so he writes this poem, and in Genesis 4, verses 23 and 24, it says, Lemek said to his, his wives, 
and listen to his heartbeat to Ada and Zillah. He said, hear my voice, you wives, you wives of Lemek. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, listen how he brags here, then Lemek's is 77-fold. So what's going on here? Lemek is celebrating death in his murder. He's basically saying, mess with Lemek and I will take you out. Word to your mother. That's what he's saying. If you mess with me, I'm going to take you down. I, I'm going to take you out. Cain was, 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 was saying nothing compares to me. Here's the apex of the deprived soul. So it comes down to Lemek's heart. Lemek is, is saying, whatever you do to me, I'll do it to you more. And right here, we see this right before our very eyes, don't we? Let, let, let's bring it down to where we live. Because for some of us here, the, this heart of Lemek had to start somewhere. To get to the point to where you're proud of one-upping the person that hurts you, we can see this very heartbeat of, of, of Lemek. And we see this all the time right before our very eyes. I see it every year at my son's baseball games. I saw it this year. I saw a coach from another team just go crazy over a call. And then I see a parent say, hey, settle down, coach. And the, and the, and the coach turns around and said, oh, yeah, what are you going to do about it? And then the parent stands up who was a lot bigger and probably stronger than this coach. And he says, oh, yeah, come over here and I'll show you what I'm going to do about it. Right? And I'm standing here. My son who's, you know, 14 years old at the time, is witnessing this whole thing going down of people saying, oh yeah, then, then I'm going to one-up you, all right? I, I'm going to show you who's, who's boss here, and you're going to come against me. I'm, and you see it happen right before your very eyes until finally the umpire came in and said, I'm going to start throwing people off if you don't stop it, and blah, blah, blah. And here's the funny thing. We, we sign a paper at the beginning of the year that says, we're not going to talk back to the ump or any of us. We're not going to say, are you going to be thrown out? People don't care about that. Why? Because it's in the heart. And so I'm walking off the field after the game with my son, Wesley. And I'm saying, Wesley, tell me what's wrong about that scenario. Because I don't want you acting like that. What, what's wrong there? And so we began to talk. It was a great teaching moment for me with my son on how adults act like jerks sometimes at a baseball game. And the example that's left is from the kids to see from dumb parents acting like idiots. I'm sorry if I just got a little hyper, okay? I'm sorry, I apologize. Why? Because it's the heart. This is the heartbeat of Lemek. It's the same thing. He's, he, you know, he, he's proud about what's, what's going on. Lemek said, if Cain's revenge was sevenfold, then my wrath would be 77-fold. Wow, that's interesting. So let's fast forward this to Jesus because Lemek's poem is just the opposite of Jesus' teaching on the same subject. You see, the, our, our depraved heart would say, don't let anyone get the better of you. If, if, you, if we're playing basketball and you follow me, then next time down the court, I'm going to throw an elbow your way. Uh, on the football field, you get me, then I'm going, to, I'm going to take your head off next time. We're always trying to one-up the other 
person. But what does Jesus say? Well, it's interesting that Jesus says in Matthew 18 about the parable of the unforgiving debtor. It's it's interesting because Jesus does this and then, then Peter comes out and asks him, Lord, well, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? And then Jesus, not just seven times, he says, but 70 times seven. Isn't that an interesting parallel with Lemek and what he just said? And maybe Jesus is saying that in retrospect to what Lemek was saying in his poem. And so Peter says, well, how many times should I forgive? What's the maximum? Is it seven times? Because normally three would be sufficient. Three, and then you're out. No more forgiveness for you. I'm only going to do it three times, and that's it. And so Peter thought he was being generous with seven. Well, hey, gee, what about seven? That's pretty good, right? Gee, I'm being really generous here, right? Seven times, right? And what does Jesus say? Seventy times seven. Infinite number. So what does Jesus say? Seventy times seven. Just the opposite of Lemek. And maybe Jesus is saying this with Lemek in mind. So let's bring this around to where we live today. Because what begins to happen is whether or not we see the extreme devaluing of human life like we see in Nazi Germany or what we've seen in in our past history with the genocide of certain ethnic groups, maybe we say, well, that's the extreme pastor. We'll never do that again. Really? Because where does it start? It starts in the heart. When the heart devalues the life of somebody else. And so Jesus says about this, about anger, because he knows the root of where it, it starts. It starts in the, the, the evil part of our heart that, that is set aside from God and does not have checks in our lives and there's no margins in our lives that our heart is wayward to do what it wants to do. And so Jesus goes down to the heart and he says in Matthew chapter 5, he says, maybe you've heard it said to those of old that you shall not murder And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But listen to what Jesus says here. It's interesting. But Jesus says, he says, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother, who puffs out his chest at a baseball game, what are you going to do about it? You talking to me? Right? Anyone who does that, Jesus says, is liable to judgment to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool or raka will be liable to the hell of fire. Whoa, Jesus. Hold on a minute here, okay? I just called somebody a fool, right? Pastor Barden just called uh, some parents acting like idiots at a baseball game. Am I liable for judgment for that? Let's see what Jesus says here. Because he says, when you say you fool, you're liable to the hell of fire. And there's some pretty strong words here from Jesus. So what is he saying? Well, wait a minute. You say, well, wait a minute, pastor. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before we get crazy here, didn't Jesus call the Pharisees a brood of vipers? Didn't he call them names? See, what I want you to see that Jesus is talking about here is he boils it down to anger and character assassination. You see, we may say, well, I would never pull the trigger that would murder 
and thus I would go to jail. But maybe I would destroy this person through my anger by my words. And when Jesus says, you say fool or rocker, what Jesus is saying is you have murdered that person in your heart. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life, 1 John 3.15. Okay, now we're all guilty here, right? <laughs> now we're all guilty because we've all done that in our heart. We've all had hate in our heart for someone else. So the question we need to ask ourselves is this. What do I take away from this pastor? Because I may not physically murder someone. I, I may not go to that point, but there are times in my own heart that I have murdered someone. Or maybe in my past, I have gotten to the point where you know, I've, I've, I've devalued life and, and, and I didn't see it and deem it as important. See, we've got to realize that whether it's the extreme Nazi Germany or it's the hatred towards somebody in our hearts, we've got to realize that our words are vital, that our words have meaning, that when we say something in our heart, there's something that's going on in our hearts. And so we can see the world acting the way it is, and we can call the world for what it is and say, man, that is so foolish the way the world is acting. But what we have to realize is, Lord, it goes so much deeper than that to something that's going on in the heart. You know, we may say that sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That's got to be the stupidest thing I've ever heard. How many know that, that words hurt? And when we do that, what we're doing is we're assassinating someone else. We're murdering in our heart, Jesus said, because we know that words hurt. And so here's what we need to take away from all this so that, that we're, we're careful about what we're doing and saying and, and how we're reflecting the gospel message of Christ in our heart. You see, people, it comes back to this. It comes back to, God, how is your gospel message? If Christ has changed my life, and if I understand that Christ has forgiven me of my sins, and I realize that now I've got to live my life for Christ's glory and not my own glory, then I've got to be careful about the words that I choose. Then I've got to be careful about how I act in my life because now I'm a representative of Christ and I want his glory to be shown in our life. And I know we all blow it in so many ways. We get arguments with people. We let our anger get the best of us. We've all blown it in so many ways. And thank God that Christ does forgive us. But if I'm harboring anger and hatred towards someone else, Jesus is saying you're murdering even in your heart. And maybe, maybe we don't get to the point where we, we, we devalue life to the point of where we begin to, you know, just exterminate people. But are we exterminating people in our heart? Through hate? And God says, listen, we need to step back from that and be careful because that's where it all starts. 
And so when I have this burst of rage, when I'm at a baseball game or a football game and this burst of rage comes out of me to escalate to the point where there's almost a fight that breaks out, what's happened is you may see a most docile person sitting over here and enjoying a game and five minutes later, they're ready to fight somebody. It comes back to here, doesn't it? There's something going on here in our hearts that ought not be. And so God says, listen, I value life. And Jesus says, we need to step back and look into our hearts. You see, what Jesus was judging against the Pharisees were their actions. They needed a Savior just like everybody else. And the reason why he called them a brood of vipers is because he was calling them for what was going on in their hearts. He was calling them that they were hypocrites and they needed to be called out for what they were doing. How many know sometimes we need to be called out for our actions? It's not talking about hatred or murdering our heart. Sometimes we just need to be called out for our actions. I can remember one time when I was in high school. When you're in high school, you want to get through high school and get out and kind of fly under the radar. And that's kind of the way I was in high school. I became a Christian. I just kind of wanted to fly under the radar. I didn't want to make a big to-do. You know, I would go through my class. And I can remember I was in this one class. And um, I had a teacher, very nice teacher. But I, it was an auto mechanics class, not the greatest auto mechanic in the world. Um, Enjoyed the class. I learned a lot. But we were doing an uh, oil change. And we would do the teacher's cars. They would come in and we would work on their cars and they would get a free oil change. They'd pay for the oil. We'd do an oil change for them and they'd get their oil done. Well, I was working on one teacher's car and I tightened up the, the, the oil nut too tight, which stripped it. And um, I, I don't know if the teacher pulled out of the parking lot and everything fell out. I don't know what all the oil fell. I don't know what happened or his whole car got ruined. I don't remember what happened. It wasn't that big of a deal. And I remember the teacher swore at me. He, he was angry with me. And, and it couple choice words came out towards me, which I was embarrassed in front of the class, but I knew I made a mistake. So, and I remember going home that day and just saying, and dad's like, hey, how'd your day go? Blah, blah. And I said, you know, I, I go, well, to be honest with you, dad, it wasn't that great of a day. And he goes, really? What, what, what went on? I said, well, auto mechanics teacher kind of swore at me in the class today. And I, I didn't want to make a big deal. I go, I was embarrassed. I, I, I messed up on, on the oil nut and everything. And my dad's like, oh, really? Okay. He didn't say anything. He didn't get mad. He didn't say, that teacher, I'm going down there now and I'm taking my baseball bat with me. We're going to have a little discussion. I'll give him an oil nut. You know, I mean, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't go. He says, okay. Well, come to find out, my dad called him the next day and just said, listen, I want to tell you something. Um, respect you as a teacher. Barden respects you and he loves you as your teacher. He's learned a lot there. But he goes, I, I've, got to, I've got to just share something that Barton shared with me, that you swore at him for. He goes, my dad said, that's, that's not right behavior. And that's not a right example for being a teacher. My dad called him on the carpet. He didn't get mad at him. He didn't raise his voice. He didn't swear back. He didn't get all huffy. He didn't puff his chest out. He just said, that's unacceptable. And so the teacher said, you're right. And he humbled himself. And I got straight A's the rest of the year. So it was great. It worked out real good for me. It was perfect. But you know what? Listen, sometimes we need to be called out for our behavior. Jesus was calling out the behavior that was wrong. Not hate, calling out the behavior that was wrong. And so for us in our hearts, listen, what it boils down to is there's, that doesn't mean that, 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 that we whitewash people's actions and atrocities 
that God doesn't oversee those. God will judge the world. God will judge the sins of man. And so we have to realize that God will call everything that has been done and he, he will call that into existence and he will judge it for what it is. I'm, do you hear what I'm saying? I'm not saying that we're passive Christians and we let people walk all over us and we allow people to abuse us. That's not what Jesus is saying there. But what we are saying is it's got to start here. What causes a society or a nation to get to the point to where they devalue life so much that millions upon millions of people were, were killed for the sake of science? What, what causes a nation to get to that point? And even in recent history, we've, we've seen that in the Balkans and we've seen, we've seen genocide in our world and not that recent history. And we would think, well, we would learn from Nazi Germany. We don't learn. It's because we need a moral compass in our life. And so what God is saying behind this whole thou shall not murder thing is Jesus brings it right back to our heart. Lord, where is my heart? Do I, am I harboring bitterness towards someone else? Have I murdered in my heart? Have I, with someone else, kind of done a character assassination towards somebody else with another Christian, towards another Christian, because I didn't like the way, what they did or, or blah, blah, blah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assassinate them in my heart. You know, we really got to guard our heart against this thing because, because really what God is saying is this is the sanctity of a life. And when those things begin to happen, it exposes maybe something deeper that's going on in my heart. And Jesus says, those things ought not be. We need, if, if, listen, if we received Christ's forgiveness into our hearts, and if, if, if Christ has forgiven us of all our sin and all our transgression, then there should be no offense that's done towards me that I cannot forgive. That doesn't mean we make it right. That doesn't mean it makes it right. That doesn't mean we belittle that atrocity that was, or, or, or whatever was done against us. Those things will be taken care of. Justice, blah, blah, blah. All those things need to be taken care of. But for me, I need to be the one that says, God, I've got to be willing to offer forgiveness. Because I don't want that seed to be buried in my heart that can come out in different ways. So here's what I want you to do. Here's what we can take away from this whole thing. Guard your heart above all things. Guard your heart. You know, I've got to admit, you know, and I, I joke about my driving and how I get irritated with, with, with bad drivers because there's just so many of them on the road. It just, it just drives me crazy. But here's how I guard my heart in those areas that when, you know, sometimes I just get irritated with other, other drivers and, and I got irritated a couple of weeks ago coming back on vacation and I gave the guy next to me, you know, one of those goofy faces like, like, what are you doing? You know, when did you get your license? Did you get it yesterday? You know, and I'm driving like four or five miles down the road and um, the Holy Spirit just convicted my heart. I didn't give the guy the number one signal. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't do anything bad. I didn't cuss him out out the window, maybe a little bit in my heart, but I didn't do anything outside the window, you know, teasing. Um, but as I'm driving down the road, the Lord just said, Barton, you know what? What kind of witness was that for me? 
okay, yeah, the guy wasn't driving right or he was hogging up two lanes or whatever and it caused you to be a couple minutes late or whatever. But really, Barden, come on. Doing the goofy face at the guy, really, what? That was... And the Lord convicted my heart. And then it's the, and then it's the apologizing to all your kids that are in the car, right? It, it's saying, you know what? That wasn't probably the best way for me to handle that situation. I should have just shown patience and just let it go. Because, listen, if, if, if there are things in our heart and bitterness in our heart and, and things that are revealed from our heart, well, let's not just brush it off and say, oh, okay, that's just me and, you know, I'm Irish, I'm Italian, that's my background, I just get angry, you know, that's my temperament, blah, 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 and we just, we pacify it. No, 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 no. No, 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 don't, don't justify it through that. Say, there's something deeper going in my heart, Jesus. And I need you to deal with that. Because you know what, if that guy that I drove by showed up in church the next week, I'd be pretty embarrassed. Isn't that the pastor that gave me the goofy looks when I was driving by him, right? You see, there's something more at stake here. And what's at stake is the soul of a life of a person. See, what's at stake here, whether we see it in Nazi Germany or wherever, was a soul of the life of a person that God cares about. And so my prayer for you today, my prayer for myself today would be this. Lord, is there some bitterness in my heart that I'm harboring today that ought not be there? Some of you here today, maybe before you're a Christian, you didn't really value the sanctity of life. And maybe there's that time where you can say, God, you know what? Please, thank you for your forgiveness today that, that I need from you today because I kind of devalued that. I kind of devalue that. And maybe I never dealt with it in my heart. Maybe I never really asked for your forgiveness in this area. And, and, And that's where the forgiveness and the freedom that comes from knowing Christ, that through the wonderful gospel message, Jesus says, I came to seek and save that which was lost. And that if we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I need God's forgiveness in my life because I'm so messed up at times, right? We just are. And I need his forgiveness. And I need Jesus every day to take control of my heart because my heart is so prone to wander. My heart is so prone to take care of myself. My heart is so prone just to be selfish. And, And I just need Jesus every day in my life to take control of my heart so that my heart doesn't, my heart isn't led astray. And no matter how sincere you are as a believer, we can all fail. Thank God for his grace. For where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. So I want you to come to the Lord today and just be honest with him. If you're harboring bitterness, unforgiveness in your heart. Just come to the Lord and say, God, I need your forgiveness. Maybe you need to offer that forgiveness to somebody else that you've harbored anger or hatred towards and you just go to that. That person may not even know it. That's the sad part. That person may not even, you can say, you know what? I just got to tell you, I got this anger towards you and I need your forgiveness. And they may say, what did I do? Well, it was something that happened 10 years ago. And they're like, really? Wow, if I would have known that, I would have just 
that's, I would have, you know, that, we could have settled that a long time ago. You know, let's be willing to do that so that Christ takes control of our heart. That's gospel living right there. That's living out the gospel message in your life. When you offer forgiveness, even when forgiveness isn't deserved. That's gospel living. That's where I want my heart to be, right there, centered, gospel, boom, right there in the center of my heart. Jesus, you lead my actions. You catch me when I do a goofy face at somebody else. Catch me, Jesus. Convict me, right? Convict me when I start getting angry and, and I start character assassination. Lord, Lord, grab my heart. Let me be gospel-centered here. Is this, is this right? Is this glorifying you, Jesus? And if it's not, Jesus, just grab a hold of my heart here because I want to honor you now. And I want to please you in my life. That's what it means to be a Christian, right? Not just coming to church. So Jesus has center in your heart. He, he touches every part of that heart and has control of every part of that heart. That's, a, that's what a disciple is. It's Christ that's in control of my life. So Lord, as we just bow our heads before you and bow our hearts before you today, Lord, we need you. Lord, forgive me of my shortcomings. Thank you for your grace. Lord, I pray for every person here today. I know this wasn't an easy message. Lord, I know that many times we can look at the world and look at the atrocities that go all around us, but Lord, we've got to look at our own heart because, Lord, our hearts are, are easily prone to wander also. And unless we start here, Lord, it's not going to make a difference. And so, Lord, we pray for our country. Lord, we, we, we pray, Lord, for those that have to make decisions. Lord, we, we pray that we would turn to you. We pray that we would see how important life is. Pray that we would never devalue it. Whether or not it's a Whether or not, God, it's, 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 it's us acting in an unbecoming manner that's not, that's not glorifying you or the way we judge others. God, protect our hearts from bitterness and unforgiveness. We thank you, Jesus, for the freedom and the forgiveness that comes from knowing Jesus. Thank you for the forgiveness and the grace that comes from Jesus Christ. So we bow our hearts before you today and we ask for that forgiveness to flow, that we would take the steps, the proactive steps to make things right and that you would guard our hearts so that our lives will ultimately glorify you. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. Take a hold of us now, we pray. In your precious name precious name. Amen. Amen. Let, let, let's stand and as we close and worship today, just let's just express our gratitude towards the Lord today. Amen. God is good. He's gracious. So let's just worship the Lord as we express that to him. Amen. God bless you.
Jesus, only you 
situations that come up that just reveal something that's going on in our heart I pray that there would be a check in our spirit God that would allow another opportunity to allow us to be gospel centered Christians to allow forgiveness to flow from our heart and to, to, to check our attitudes God so that they would, they would just show who you are Jesus and that you've changed our lives Lord help us to, to be those that, that stand up for for those things that are right and honorable, Lord. God, I pray that we would kind of rethink the sanctity of life and marriage and all these things that, that God, you see as valuable, that, Lord, we would hold those as, as sacred and, and holy and honorable within our own hearts. And so, Lord, I thank you for your word that does correct us at times because sometimes we just need that correcting, Lord. And so thank you that you're gentle with us. Thank you, Lord, that Many times we're not treated as our sin deserves, that your grace is available for that forgiveness to flow through our life. So we are so thankful for that. Thank you for just being tender with us, God. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you that your mercies are new every single morning, that you're a God that desires us to draw, to draw and, and to become closer to you. We're so thankful for that. And Lord, I know every one of us in here, we make mistakes and we fall short of, of your perfection. Thank you that you pick us up and you don't leave us where we're at. So help us to keep striving to run the race that you've called us to race, God, to, to run, Lord. And we just thank you for your kindness today. And I just pray you'd go with us now, that your grace would just flow through us and upon us, Lord. I just pray for your blessings upon every married couple here today, every, every single person, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you would just bless them this week and let them know of your goodness each and every day. We just love you. We thank you. And, and Lord, just thank you for this word, God. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' wonderful, wonderful, wonderful name, we ask all these things. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. Amen, amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day. Amen.